We're Christian soldiers, and that's really appropriate because we're going to be delving into deep into this matter of uh, spiritual warfare. And uh, it's not only true of our own personal lives, it's a, true of what our country is going through. And so I'm going to be talking more about that uh, as time goes by this morning. Okay, uh, for the, this time... Uh, let's go to the uh, word here. The uh, mess of uh, the uh, scriptures up there on the screen. Yes. Oh, Dolly wants to take a picture of uh, the title there: "Return of the Gods." And this is part two: the Ashtoreth. Okay, we're going to talk about what the Ashtoreth are. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, Jesus uh, speaks of a parable here. He says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, finding, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. When he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Again there, empty. He finds it empty. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. Jesus was talking about the wicked generation that he was living in. And, you know, before he went there to the cross. Judges chapter 2, verse 13. They forsook, that is the children of Israel, forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. And also a similar verse is found in Judges chapter 10, verse 6. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I'm delving into an area of thick darkness. And I desperately need your anointing, Lord, to be upon me, Lord. And Lord, I know that the Ashtoreths, the spirits of the Ashtoreths are here in this country right now and they are none too pleased about what I'm going to be sharing today. So Lord, I need your strength. I need your anointing and Lord, I pray that uh, your blessed Holy Spirit would rest upon me in his strength and his power Lord God and help me to deliver this message Lord and Lord, uh, I pray that you'd give us all ears to hear what your spirit would say to this church. Thank you for being with us now, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus name. Okay, I'm going to go back to the series, Return of the Gods. Uh, it's based upon this book that I borrowed from Pastor Sandra. By the way, I uh, uh, called down to Barnes & Nobles to get my con uh, own copy. Uh, the problem was with borrowing this is I can't really study it and highlight it and uh, uh, make notes in it like I would like to. So I'm going to get my own copy uh, because it's a very valuable addition to my uh, library. It's uh, written by a man by the name of uh, 
Jonathan Kahn, who is a rabbi. He's a Messianic Jew, and he has a really good grasp of exactly what's going on today. Now, if you're interested in more material on this and you don't uh, want to go ahead and buy the book, you can find uh, an interview of Jonathan Kahn on uh, James Dobson's uh, uh, radio program. So if you want to, you can find it in YouTube. All you need to do is uh, type in the YouTube window there, Jonathan Kahn, James Dobson, and Return of the Gods, and you will find the two-part series. It took him two interviews to go through it. Now, some of you may be wondering, why do you talk about this, Pastor Cliff? Uh, the reason for it is I am required to speak out against error to you, my congregation, when I see error in this world today. And there is an error that is in this country and is so prevalent in today's American society. The new religion... Of, you know, for want of a better term, as I explained to you before, I'm calling wokeism. Because the people who ascribe to this new religion say that they are woke. They've woke up. They've found out that men can get pregnant, you know, and all these other things. You know, we didn't know this before, but now we are awake and we can see things clearly. And while these people that are in this woke religion are a small uh, minority in this country, I would say uh, no more than 20% and maybe more, uh, uh, you know, closer to 10%, they are very vocal about what they believe. You know, if you try to share Jesus around... Oh, you can't do that. That's, you know, you're, uh, uh, you know, there's supposed to be separation of church and state. You know, they will tell you that. Oh, I don't want to hear that. You know, but they have no qualms about evangelizing you for their particular message. And that the problem is, you know, they have hijacked the Democratic Party and they have also hijacked the mainstream media. You know, only Fox News gives you a balanced uh, portrayal of the way things are. And they have hijacked uh, things such as Hollywood, too. You know, most of the Hollywood stars there and the Hollywood movies that come out espouse this particular worldview, this particular religion and worldview. So we are constantly bombarded and they are trying to brainwash this American society with their false religion. Now, as I mentioned before, this wokeism is a polytheistic uh, religion. That is, there are many gods and some of the gods I mentioned before uh, in their Pantheon is they want to indoctrinate our children. They espouse the socialism and communistic uh, worldview. No God. Uh, they believe in equity, not meritocracy. American uh, society was formed on meritocracy. That is, if you want to get out ahead, you get out ahead by merit. You know, the cream rises up to the top. 
They say, oh no, that's unfair to these uh, minorities. So they want to level the playing field in their estimation. And uh, we all start uh, out the same and, uh, you know, we all have, you know, <clears throat> it's not the, the same thing as equality. Equality means everybody has the same opportunity to go up, but they want to start out uh, certain groups at a higher level and also give them preference, you know, for promotions instead of you know, getting promoted because you're good at your job, they will promote you because you look the same way, because you have a certain sexual orientation. And that's the opposite of really meritocracy. And that goes hand in hand with this critical race theory. The idea that certain groups are oppressors and certain groups are the oppressed. They're the victims. And so you've got to give these victims a little head start. They have the climate change. You know, I've heard a lot of politicians these days talk about the cult of climate change. And indeed it is. Foreign policy with our enemies, particularly China and Iran and North Korea. Under this current administration, the United States has grown weaker and our enemies have grown stronger. You have the cult of abortion, which is child sacrifice. I don't think I'm going to get to it next week. It'll have to be the week after that. But we'll see that this is the worship of the ancient god Molech, yes. god of child sacrifice. You have the LGBTQ agenda and radical gender ideology. This is a part of the Ashtoreth. And I don't think I'm going to get to that aspect today. Uh, you've got uh, open borders. You have the suppression of U.S. history. You know, U.S. United States is an evil country because of, you know, slavery and racism and uh, uh, other things, you know, the, uh, that, uh, sins that we've had in the past. No matter that none of us were alive at least during slavery, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, they want to blame us and say it is still going on today. You've got the cancel culture. They're trying to cancel me because I am posting stuff on uh, Facebook, you know, that uh, gives my point of view. They're going to try to cancel me. And if you try to speak out against this, they're going to cancel you. And then there's defund the police, which may, has made our inner cities especially much less safe. You know, I was just reading uh, last night uh, this story about these CNN people that had gone into uh, City Hall to talk about the crime wave. And they came back out and they found that uh, people had broken into their car. And this is not just the first time it had happened to those CNN reporters. And they said, this is getting completely out of hand. Well, well it's, it's because they've defunded the police and they're letting all of these criminals out of the jails where they can continue to pray. You know, they just get a little slap on the wrist and then they're back out on the street again to pray upon more innocent people. Okay, now I spoke out against this. 
Because for me, this new religion is no different than what I have been involved in for uh, uh, about 45 years, over 45 years, and that is the cult ministry. For me, it's no different than speaking out against the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormon doctrine and the mind science and the Eastern religions. This is just one more religion that's just cropped up. And this is critical, brothers and sisters, okay? The people that ascribe to this new religion, wokeism, unequivocally reject the God of the Bible. And so they are opposing us. They will oppose me because I'm speaking out against it. I want you to know how much that deeply disturbs me. Just kidding. Hey, you know, it comes with the territory, brothers and sisters. If they oppose me, that's up to them. But I'm going to speak out God's truth. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I am going to speak His truth in this church. Now, this is exactly what the people, that is the children of Israel, did when they embraced Baal worship in ancient Israel as we saw in part one of this series. At part one of the series, you know, I spent two Sundays. I just felt like I couldn't do it justice. And, I, I, you know, I'm going to do this probably with the Ashtoreth, too. I, I had this all planned out. You know, normally I try to keep my preaching texts down to five pages or less. This one's six pages. And there's just so much I want to say on this subject, I'm going to have to probably uh, uh, put it into two messages. Okay, part one dealt with the Balaam. Balaam is the plural form of Baal. Balaam denotes the gods of the Canaanite pantheon. Baal himself was just the, merely the chief god of this. There are, there are many others in his pantheon. Now, Khan, in his book, Return of the Gods, deals with uh, only three, starting with Baal. It's pronounced B-A-L-E, or if you uh, get the Hebrew pronunciation, it's Baal. And these three gods, Khan terms the Dark Trinity. The Dark Trinity are Baal, Ashtoreth, which we're going to cover today, and Moloch, who is the god of child sacrifice. That'll be the last one. Now, there's three primary things that we learn in part one about Baal. First of all, to worship him in ancient Israel meant the eventual suppression of the worship of Yahweh, or Jehovah, who was the Hebrew god. This especially came to a head under wicked King Ahab. Looking up there to make sure I'm... Okay. Uh, wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Queen Jezebel was fanatical especially about this. And she killed as many prophets of the Lord as she could get her hands on. Second of all, we saw that Baal was the god of the natural world. The sky the earth, the weather. Therefore, he was the one who sent the rains because he's the god of the uh, weather. He was the one that sent rains which watered the crops and prospered the nations. 
So therefore, he was the God of prosperity. Worship of him meant prosperity. And if you wanted to prosper, you had to worship Baal. At least, you know, that was in their way of thinking. Baal worship became suppressed with the advent of Christianity. And during the first century and uh, uh, after about the uh, end of the fourth century, Baal worship was largely abandoned. That was the reason, you know, it, it uh, just had a profound effect not only on the religious uh, climate of the day, but also the entire culture as well. The entire culture of the Roman world where Christianity was birthed was completely changed by the Christian worldview. Now, this is the reason why we quoted that parable, you know, of the man that is possessed by a spirit and the spirit gets cast out of the man, wanders around looking for rest and doesn't find it and it returns back to the house that is the man that it formerly possessed and finds it empty. Now this is a, a description of American society today because we exercised God in the schools. I talked about this. Remember, I talked about how we got rid of God in the schools, you know, because we wouldn't allow the Bible to be taught, uh, no longer allowed Bible to be taught or to have prayer. So what happened? We got rid of God and now Baal has come back. Just like the demon-possessed man and we are worse off than we were before. Also, Baal was worshipped in other cultures as well, but under different names. In Mesopotamia, he was called Asher in Assyria and Marduk in Babylon. Baal later morphed into Zeus in Greece and then Jupiter in Rome. And I concluded in that, uh, with the study in part one is that in my estimation, Baal is nothing more than the spirit of the world and the world system. And to embrace him is to embrace what the world says will bring you satisfaction in life. What does the world tell you? You know, I've, I've talked about this before. What does the world and the world system tell you that you need to do to have success and satisfaction in life. Well, it tells you you search after four things. And if you get enough of those four things, then you've got all you need to be satisfied and happy in life. Those four things are fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. That's what the world tells you to pursue. You say you get enough of this, you get enough fortune, and you get enough uh, uh, power and pleasure, then you'll be satisfied, you'll be happy in life. And one needs to just look at the people that have a lot of these things, and are they happy? Are they satisfied? seems like the more you, and you know, this is human nature, brothers and sisters. The more you get of something, the more you want. And the less satisfied you are with what you have. That's just the way things are. We're in a fallen world right now. And the only way to get uh, true 
happiness, true joy, and satisfaction in his life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can he say amen to that? And we're getting rid of Jesus Christ in this society, and that's why things are just going downhill, and so many people are depressed, they're dissatisfied, they're unhappy, because they're listening to the world instead of pursuing God in a right relationship with Him. Hallelujah. Okay, now that final item that I talked about, pleasure, brings us to the second god or goddess that Khan deals uh, about in his, his book, and that is the goddess Ashtoreth. Actually, it should be plural right there, Ashtoreth, because there's many of these Ashtoreth goddesses. Just like Baal, Ashtoreth was called by other names in other cultures. She is Ishtar in Assyria. You know, Khan in his book, uh, you know, largely calls this goddess Ishtar here, who is the goddess there in Mesopotamia. Uh, later on, she morphed into Aphrodite uh, to the Greeks and Venus to the Romans. Now, rejection of God led to Baal and Baal worship in ancient uh, Israel. And worship of Baal, in turn, leads to Ashtoreth uh, worship. It says there in uh, Judges chapter 10, verse 6, again, Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, plural. And we also saw that was in Judges 2.13. Worship of them, Baal and Ashtoreth, went hand in hand. And that's why, you remember I told you about the story of Elijah against the prophets of Baal. You remember if, if, uh, that story is found in 1 Kings chapter uh, 18. You want a moving story one that will really rivet your attention, read 1 Kings chapter 18. Okay? And uh, after telling King Ahab that there would be no rain in Israel for three years, and that came to pass, Elijah was really bringing judgment upon this god Baal. Because remember, Baal is the god of the, the weather. So he was the God of the rain. And so if he was the true God, then what Elijah said shouldn't have had any bearing on what happened. But after those three years, you know, finally Elijah comes up to uh, uh, King Ahab. Ahab been searching high and low looking for him. And he says, Ahab, you know, I want you to meet with me and bring all the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. And we're going to do a little test. We're going to take a sacrifice. We're going to put it on an altar. And the, your prophets of Baal can, you know, dance around, do whatever they do, and ask for fire to be sent from heaven. You know, that should have been a small thing, you know, because remember, Baal is the god of the natural world. It should have been child's play for him to send fire down and burn up the uh, offering there. He says, you guys, you cut your uh, prophets of Baal loose and 
The God who answers by fire, he is God. I'm going to do the same. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And so 450 prophets of uh, Baal show up. And who came along with them? 400 prophets of Ashtoreth. They showed up too. So you see how Baal and Ashtoreth the, the worship of them goes hand in hand. And we know the story. You know, the prophets of Baal danced around, cut themselves, you know. The, oh, Baal, send the fire. You know, they did this for uh, half the day. And nothing happens. So then he, the Elijah goes on the stage and he even dumps water all around on the sacrifice and, uh, and makes them dig this trough all around and pours water in there. And fills it up. And then he just prays to God. And God sends the fire. And not only burns up the sacrifice. But it uh, licked up all the water, water too. There's nothing but a burnt corpse of the uh, sacrifice. And a dry, uh, and a dry all around that area. So Elijah proved that the Lord is God. Jehovah is God. Everybody say that. Jehovah is God. Amen. Okay, and there's a lesson here. 850 prophets against one, right? So you may feel like you're in the minority. Oh, I'm standing alone. Listen, you and God are a majority. Amen? If God is for yeah, right? If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm getting fired up now. Woo! Hallelujah. Okay, now, the Ashtoreths. Like Baal or Balaam, Ashtoreth is spoken in the plural of in the plural form. This reveals that she was a many-faceted goddess. She was primarily the goddess of love and sexuality. More specifically, worship of him uh, of, of her meant the worship of sex as an end in itself. Mm. When I say that she was the goddess of sexuality, I mean the immoral kind of sex, the perverted sex, the sex outside of God's guidelines. And this led to more and more uh, degradation and sexual perversions. She was also the goddess of prostitution. Now, nearly everything I'm going to be saying for the rest of the day is going to focus on this particular facet of her. Related to this is she was a transgressor, transgressor, uh, a breaker of rules and boundaries. And this is what we see in America today. Our sexual mores are getting more and more perverted. All of these boundaries are being broken, you know, uh, one after another. You know, our sexual mores and uh, morality has gotten worse and worse as time has gone by. Ashtoreth was also the goddess of war and violence. Now I'm going to read, uh, you know, I've refrained uh, 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 quoting from directly from Khan's book. I'm going to make an exception to this. So listen carefully to what uh, he describes 
this goddess Ashtoreth. And I think you'll see a lot of this is true, especially when people engage in, in immorality. She was the goddess of sexuality. It was because of that connection that the planet Venus is associated with love. She was also the goddess of war and destruction. She was fiery, impetuous, impulsive, greedy, emotional, demanding, stormy, fierce, carnal, given to rage. What happens with immorality? Doesn't that happen a lot? Given to rage, romantic, vindictive, <clears throat> full of unbridled passion, insatiable sexual desire, and boundless pride. If denied the object of her desires or if offended, she would become vengeful and violent and could wreak havoc and destruction. Okay, the goddess of war and violence. You know, when they, you look at these ancient pagan uh, idols of the Ashtoreth, and of course Venus and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Aphrodite in Greece, they are often pictured naked or in various stages of, of undress. And they're also pictured, she's pictured with a sword in her, in her hand. And this is a picture of what, that she is a goddess of destruction. And if there's immorality around, especially in a married couple, if one of, or both of them are unfaithful, she will destroy that marriage. Amen? Okay. She's also the goddess of intoxication. You know, the patron goddess of taverns. You know, taverns and uh, bars today. Where, where do people usually go to pick up on somebody else? You know, either of the same or opposite sex. They would go to bars. Nowadays, you don't really have to do that because they've got all these different web applications like Tinder, where if you want... Uh, sex of any kind, you can just find somebody online there. You know, but it used to be that the primary place that you would pick someone up was at bars. She was also the goddess of witchcraft and sorcery and the occult. Now that explains why three of these aspects, you know, came in vogue in the late 1960s. The late 1960s, which I lived through, you know, I was born in 1951, so I was in high school during the late 1960s. And I was just amazed how fast things went downhill. You had those three aspects, the free sex, you had the drugs, and the occult all hit at the same time. And it's because... This goddess Ashtoreth was arising in our American society back then. And a lot of it was fueled by the music industry too, so I have a feeling she's really behind a lot of the music industry too. Now, 
As I said, I'm going to primarily focus on this sexuality aspect. And I'm warning you right now, brothers and sisters, you know, I'm going to get a little bit explicit. So I don't see Jewel. You know, we're all adults. There's Sean. Okay. Uh, Cover Jewel's ears, uh, Sean, (laughs) because I'm going to get really explicit. I make no apologies. I've got to say this, brothers and sisters. God requires me to uh, say this. First of all, there is nothing wrong with human sexuality. God created us as sexual beings, didn't he? Yes. All of us have it. It's one of the three great drives that we have. You know, there's food and drink, and then there's sleep, and then there's sex. There is nothing wrong with sex if it is done through God's design. And that is to be confined to the bounds of holy matrimony. Amen. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. Marriage is honorable above all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. You know, Tim LaHaye, noted pastor and author wrote a book called The Act of Marriage. I got a hold of a copy before I uh, got married. And this book explores the beauty of sexual love within marriage. That was such an apt title, The Act of Marriage, because that's where it belongs, just within the marriage covenant. And it's a beautiful thing if it's done the way that God uh, tells us to. But picking up the second part of that uh, uh, verse there in Hebrews uh, 13.4, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Okay? It's not just here that that's spoken of against, uh, you know, but other places in Scripture it's condemned, immorality is condemned most explicitly. Galatians chapter 5, verses, uh, verse 19, and the last part of verse 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Those last two are just more descriptions of this uh, uh, immorality. But then Paul concludes, of which I tell you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when you read through the New Testament, you know, I, I, uh, whenever I read through the New Testament, I kept bumping into words similar to what uh, Paul calls the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. These other lists include Romans chapter 1, verse 29 through 31, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Am I behind here? No, sorry. Got a little bit. I get wound up here and then I get behind. Sorry about that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. Colossians 3, 5. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Jesus had his own list on there too. And Revelation chapter 21, 
verse 8 and 22, verse 15. Now, I don't have time to read through all these lists, but I, because I think you all understand and get the point that I'm trying to make here. In all these lists, sexual immorality is listed. And often in multiple forms, because there's multiple forms of sexual immorality. There's also homosexuality and all kinds of other uh, things that I won't go into. But in these lists, usually adultery and uh, fornication, sexual immorality are mentioned at the top of the list. And therefore... This is kind of a mystery why Christians are guilty of doing it. And if they're not practicing outright immorality, you know, uh, probably next week I'm going to get into the internet pornography. And internet pornography is no different. Remember Jesus said that whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her in her... Uh, <clears throat> His heart. So if you look at pornography, you're committing sexual immorality. No two ways about it. And it's added on all these lists that if you continue to practice it without repentance, you will be lost for all eternity. Now I have to say that. If you practice it, you will be lost for all eternity, eternally separated from God. And you know what? Eternal separation from God, that's what hell is all about, isn't it? It says in James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of heavenly lights with, it, with whom there is no... Uh, changing nor shadow of turning. God never changes. His word never changes. Amen. It's as applicable to today as it was almost 2,000 years ago when it was written. You can't get out of that. And some people say, well, I don't care, you know, if I go to hell, you know, all my friends are going to be there. Let me tell you something. You're not going to want to be there. Because you've separated yourself from God. And if God, every good and perfect gift comes from God, there's nothing good down there in hell. You know, if we believe it's outer darkness as Jesus described it, you won't even be able to see your friends. All you'll know is you are just abandoned, completely abandoned and lost. And there's no hope at that point of getting back to God. I'm getting a little bit explicit here. You know, it gives me the shudders to talk about this. Now, frequent uh, word in those lists is the word that's translated as fornication. Now, that's the Greek word porneia. Guess where, what we get porneia from? I mean, what, what words we get porneia from? Pornography. Pornographic. It's exactly where we get it. Okay? And it's mentioned in all of these, you know, uh, verses. I went through and looked through them uh, one by one, except for Ro the one there in Romans. And believe me, that passage in Romans is dealing with all kinds of other uh, sexual immorality in there. 
Porneia is just kind of a catch-all word that involves all forms of sexual immorality. Now, if you have committed these sins in the past, you need to remember, you know, God will forgive you, okay? God will forgive you, but you need to remember Jesus' words to the woman that was caught in adultery. What did he say to the woman that was caught in adultery? He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, if you have been guilty of this sin in the past, stop doing it. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay? You need to confess and repent of it. Turn away from it. Put it away. Okay. You know, there seems to be a particular resistance on the part of mankind to obedience to this command of abstaining from sexual immorality. And this is possible, possibly because sex is one of our primary drives, as I mentioned before. And it also gives us such pleasure in doing it. Therefore, a man's natural instinct is to equate sex with eating or drinking, these other drives that you have. You know, uh, early in my, when I really got serious uh, with the Lord, I heard Josh McDowell, the apologist, give a talk at San Diego State University uh, where I was attending at the time. And uh, I also heard a, a tape of this too. In fact, I, I looked on the internet to find out if I could uh, uh, find it. And uh, he I didn't find it, but he's got a whole bunch of other uh, you know, messages on the same subject. But anyway, it was called Maximize Sex. And he would go to the different university campuses and deliver this message for them. And he would get up there and talk about how sexuality, human sexuality, is intended for the marriage bed alone. And he said that he would have students come up to me and say, Come on, Josh! You know, sex is just a physical thing. It's no different than drinking a glass of water. And... Uh, Josh McDowell countered and he says, in case you hadn't realized, there's a lot more involved with sex than drinking a glass of water. Because sex involves all that you are as a person. Little illustration here, okay? If sex is just like drinking a glass of water, then if a man rapes a woman, that's no different than sneaking a drink out of her water bottle or her garden hose. Right? You see my point? It's so much more. Because like he, he said, it's, you know, involves all that you are as a person. The sex acts takes you to the very core of your being. You know, Jim Jones... How many of you remember Jim Jones? Jim Jones was a cult leader. Started out in the Bay Area. Eventually moved his group down to uh, the country of Guyana. Where he, when he was being exposed and he knew it was all up. He led them into ritual suicide. And 900 people died that terrible afternoon. He had them drink that poison Kool-Aid. 
Now, Jim Jones was heard to boast, and by the way, he, he, he was a picture of immorality. He was amoral. And he was heard to boast, I like to have sex with a person for hours at a time. Because in the process, their personalities are destroyed and they become just like barnyard animals. When you do that, you break down all of the restraints that that person has. Other illustrations too. Patty Hearst. How do you remember Patty Hearst? Patty Hearst got kidnapped uh, sometime in, I think it was February of uh, 1974. And they took her away, hid her in this house, and they forced her to live in this darkened closet. But they would pull her out periodically and then rape her. And after about a month like that, her restraints were all broken down, and she wound up joining the cult Symbionese Liberation Army is what they called themselves. And she even participated in bank robberies. So they completely brainwashed it. And this was a key. Is they violated her sexuality. And that's what really broke her down. A lot to a large part. <laughs> Another illustration. Samson. What happened with Samson? Samson hooks up with this uh, Philistine woman, Delilah. And of course you know what's involved in that. And what happened? She kept on pestering him and badgering him. Oh, what's the secret to your strength, Samson? And finally he breaks down. And it, the Bible says he told her everything that was in his heart. Once again, she used his sexuality to get what she wanted. She manipulated him. And that's what the devil does to us, too, when we compromise in this area. Now, when you do sex God's way, which is through in the bounds of holy matrimony, what you do is you are being spiritually joined. You know that sex is a spiritual act? Right? It drills down to the very core of your being. It's a spiritual act. It's not just a physical act. You are spiritually joined to your husband or wife and not just physically. You are also joining together with the Lord. You know, the act of marriage is a holy act. Yes. It's an act of worship. When the husband and wife are joining together, that's an act of worship. They are praising God for bringing them together as husband and wife. But if you engage in sex outside of marriage, you are joining your spirit with something else. You are joining your spirit with that spirit of Ashtoreth. Now, I see that I'm out of time, so this is just a perfect place to stop right here. But I want you to leave that. If any act of, uh, act, sexual act outside of marriage joins you with that spirit of Ashtoreth, and Ashtoreth is one of God's most vicious and powerful enemies, 
So you can't have it both ways. You can't be intimate with God and be intimate with Ashtoreth at the same time. Now think about that. I'm going to leave you with that thought right there. And I'll pick up next week. I'd like to have finished this, you know. It's kind of an uncomfortable subject, but it's something that everybody needs to know. Okay? Do you want to be intimate with God, or do you want to be intimate with Ashtoreth? Okay? The choice is yours. Okay? Now, next week, I'm going to talk more. I'm going to get into sexual perversions. Come on. Okay. I'm going to talk about perversions. Because you know what happens? You're drilling down. You're going deeper and deeper into the pits of hell. And the deeper you go, the more vicious these spirits become. The other thing I'm going to be talking about is internet pornography. Okay? Because I am persuaded, brothers and sisters, that internet pornography is the leading cause of how far we have gone down. Okay? That's provided the door for Ashtoreth into this society. And there are millions and millions of people that get involved with it. And they are compromising and they are becoming with that spirit of Ashtoreth. Okay? So, anyway, again, it's kind of an uncomfortable uh, situation. But I want to leave on a high note, brothers and sisters. Okay? As powerful as Ashtoreth is, Jesus is more powerful. Amen? Amen. And if you have a problem in this area of your life, Jesus will deliver you. What's it say there in Philippians? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. And Philippians says that one day every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That includes all those asterisks right there. One day they will have to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord through yes. the God the Father. And if you have a problem in this area, God will give you deliverance. But you have to bow your knee to Him first. Amen? You says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Amen. Hallelujah. He will break those chains.